Have you ever heard the expression, that guy just ain't worth his salt? (laughs) You know what it means? So it means that they're not worth what you paid them. They're not worth their pay. So if this person's being paid and they're just not doing a good job, they're not worth their salt. And there's a reason why salt became associated with pay, why someone isn't worth their salt, they were not worth their pay. In the ancient world, salt was sometimes used as currency, as money. The Greeks, the Romans, Spanish Moors, and and lots of other people at different times and different situations used salt for money. In fact, our modern word today, salary, comes from the ancient Roman word salarium, which was the salt that they sometimes paid to soldiers on a campaign. Instead of giving them Roman coins, they'd give them salt. It was their salarium or their salary. So today, when you get a salary from Whitfield County Schools or Murray County Schools or wherever you work, you're getting salt, but instead you're getting money. So uh, that brings us to today's lesson from Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. We're going to read verses 13 through 16 from, the chap- from chapter 5 of Matthew, but I want to start with just the 13th verse. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus, then you are the salt of the earth. Christians provide something essential that this world needs. Now, we're a bit spoiled in our modern world, and we take salt for granted. Usually, we probably consume too much salt in our diets, and our doctors are always telling us uh, to cut back on it. But a certain amount of salt is essential in your diet. If you don't have enough, it can lead to muscle cramps, nausea, vomiting and dizziness. Eventually, lack of salt can lead to shock, coma, and even death. Have you ever had one of those Gatorades or Powerades, one of those sports drinks? You ever noticed how it kind of has a slightly salty taste to it? That's because they put sodium in the drinks one of the minerals found in salt. And when you are exercising really strenuously and you're sweating intensely, it can flush the sodium out of your body, leaving you lethargic. Even if you've been drinking enough water, there's something that's missing there. And that thing that is missing usually is sodium. The sodium in the Gatorade or the Powerade or whatever puts that back into your body. It's trying to keep it balanced. I guess scientists, doctors, and all of them have worked together to figure that out, and they formulated that drink so that it's made to uh, keep your electrolytes balanced. Well, in biblical times, salt was expensive, and it was hard to come by. That's why they could use it as money, because salt was essential. In addition to being required in a person's diet, salt was essential for preserving meat before refrigeration. Now, in case you didn't realize it, modern refrigerators didn't become commonplace until about 1930. Now, think about that. That's 
less than 90 years. That's 90 years. Less than 100 years ago, refrigerators. But before that, what did people do? Before that, the most common, reliable ways to preserve meat was with salt. So if you pack enough salt around a hunk of pork, you get a perfectly preserved and delicious ham, which is why you could slaughter a ham in November, pack it with a bunch of salt and preserve it, keep it from spoiling for four or five months, and then have it for dinner at Easter in April. That's how they preserve their food. Not only does salt preserve meat and provide essential minerals in your diet, of course, it also brings out the flavor of the food you eat. Can you imagine what food would be like if it had absolutely no salt in it? Man, that would be so bland. Can you imagine eating a potato chip with no salt whatsoever on it? So when Jesus says his followers are the salt of the earth, he's making a bold statement. Christians are like the right amount of salt in your diet. Without it, you cannot live. Christians are a preservative in a decaying world. Without our preserving influence, evil will completely take over and consume the world, causing it to rot and spoil completely. Christians are valuable in the ancient world. And when Christians faithfully follow Christ, we bring out the true flavor of life. Christians who are really following Jesus are not boring, as the world would sometimes claim. We are full of life and full of joy and full of love. Jesus and his New Testament followers were never accused of being boring or leading dull lives. In fact, it was the opposite. Their detractors accused them of spending too much time feasting and drinking with sinners and having a good time. Now, the second part of verse 13 is sometimes something that confuses people. How can salt lose its flavor? I've never experienced that. I mean, you could have a, a, a salt shaker on your counter... It could sit there for 10 years, and it's still just as salty as it was 10 years ago when you put it there. I don't even think it has an expiration date, as far as I know, or a best if used by date. I mean, it, salt, it just, it's, it's salt. It stays salty forever. So what does this mean? How can salt lose its flavor? Well, in Jesus' day in Israel, they mined salt from the Dead Sea. The concentration of the water, of salt in the water in the Dead Sea is about 33%. That's 10 times the amount of saltiness that's in the ocean. So when you try, and I've done this, when you try to swim in the Dead Sea, you cannot sink. You float on the surface because there's so much salt in the water, it causes you to be buoyant. So they would collect salt water in these shallow pools until the sun evaporated the water, leaving behind the salt. Then the salt would be collected up, and it would be stored in a cave or in a barn. Usually they just throw it in there right on the ground, pile it up in big piles. And over time, the salt on the bottom of the pile would leach out into the dirt 
on the ground. And some of the dirt that was on the ground was sort of suck up or get up into the bottom of the pile in the salt too. And so the bottom salt would be too dirty and nasty to eat. You wouldn't want to sprinkle that on. You get a lot of grit and nastiness in your food. So this salt had lost its saltiness. And the dirt that was sort of mixed in with it was pretty much useless too. It was good for only one thing, to be thrown onto the walkways. Because if you put that dirt into the garden, it was too salty, it'd kill all the plants in the field. But if you threw it on the pathway where people would walk, it'd kill anything that was trying to grow there. And you don't really want anything growing in your pathway, do you? I mean, we go around all the time spraying Roundup all over the place to kill the weeds coming up through the cracks. They'd throw out that dirty salt on the pathway. People could walk along it, and it would kill everything, and it would leave a barren path where nothing could grow. Now, what does that have to do with you, you salty earth people? You follow Jesus. If you follow Jesus, you're the salt of the earth, adding flavor and essential things to the world, preserving a broken world from spiritual decay. But being salty for Jesus means being different than the world. And most people don't want to be different. Something in our human DNA that we want to fit in. We don't want to feel like we're outsiders or outcasts or that we're weird or that we're different. We want to be part of the group. And that's okay. God designed us as social creatures. Um, There's some animals that pretty much live their whole life isolated as individuals. They're not part of a group. That's not human beings. We like to be part of a group. Even, Even introverts, loners, want to be a part of a group in some way. There's nothing inherently wrong with wanting to fit in. That's part of being human. But sin takes a natural desire inside us and twists it all out of whack until we are willing to do anything to fit into the group. We may even adopt attitudes and behaviors that God says are sinful because society says it's fine. At the same time, we may turn our backs on holy living because worldly people all around us live unholy lives. What good, though, is salt that has lost its saltiness? What good is a Christian who lives an unholy life? Not only have you lost your flavor and preserving power, somehow your unholiness now poisons the world like salty dirt thrown into a garden. There's nothing more bitter in this world than Christians who know they're supposed to live for Jesus, but who are still caught up in trying to live for the world. They can't be happy living for Jesus because they still want to sin. But they can't be happy sinning because they feel guilty for not being faithful to Jesus. So they live divided lives, pulled completely apart by these two competing convictions. It's okay to be salty, to shine brightly, 
to stand out. Don't be afraid to be different. That's actually part of the definition of holy. When you are holy, you're set apart from everything else by God as different. What makes that altar holy? It's just a table. And, it, you know, it's just a hunk of wood that's been carved out and shaped and very similar to what you have at your home that you eat dinner on. But that altar is holy. It's different because God has taken it and set it apart and said, this will be used for a special purpose. And that's who you are if you are following Christ. You're just like everyone else, but you're different. When you choose Jesus as your Lord, you follow him. He says, now you are holy. And you're supposed to be holy. We take salt for granted. We also take light for granted in our modern world. Of course, we have just as much sunlight today as they did in ancient times. What's different now is what happens when the sun goes down. We just turn on a light. Easy. But in Bible times, you had to burn up expensive oil in a lamp or a candle. And the amount of light that these gave was roughly a hundred times less than a simple table lamp we might use today. That's why looking up at the trillions of stars in the night sky in ancient times was so dazzling. They didn't have all the, the lamps and the street lights and the lights from the big lights from the cities and the, all of that uh, contrasting. It was just, it was dark. And when you looked up in the sky at night, you could see trillions of stars. King David said in Psalm 8, Verses 30, uh, verse 3 through 4. When I look up at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings, you should care for them. And when Jesus and his disciples were camping out on the outskirts of Jerusalem, they would look across the valley and see a shining city up on Mount Zion shining like a twinkling jewel, with thousands of oil lamps flickering from afar, contrasted against the utter darkness of the night in the countryside, and with the glow of a, fire, of a campfire shining in their faces. Jesus might say something like he says in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We're all called to be different, to be salty, to shine brightly. And when Christians truly live the way Jesus calls us to live, when we love others the way he loves us, it shines, it's bright, it's beautiful. 
You don't necessarily even have to say anything. Sometimes your actions speak volumes. But on the other hand, when Jesus is your Lord, when you're passionately devoted to Him and paying attention to how He's making a difference in your life, you can't help but say His name and talk about how He saved you, how He's changing you, how He's filling your life with His light and His love. People will see His light in you and you need to be ready to explain it when they ask, why are you so different? What is this light I see shining in your face? Be ready to tell them so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And like a moth that is drawn to a light, they will be attracted to our Lord. Don't hide your lamp under a basket. Place it up high on a stand where it gives light to ev- for everyone to see. Now some people might say, you know, my life's so messed up, there's no light there to see. I get it. We all go through dark times, dark trials, and it can feel like there's nothing good there to talk about. But what you don't realize is that everyone, everyone is going through something. Either they're going through it right now, or they've been through it before, or they're going to go through it in the days ahead. That's life. It's not that you have to have a perfect, bright, sunny life all the time. It's about having faith to trust in God and to see that our perfect God is there with us in the darkness. He's there pulling you up out of the brokenness. He's there filling you with light when you need it the most. And you don't have to lie and tell everybody your life's perfect. You just have to recognize how Jesus is there even in the hard times. And you have to share how you're clinging to Him, trusting Him to save you. God is the light in your story. So you don't have to hide it under a basket. Even if it's even if it's just talking about your, your problems and your issues. There's a whole book of, of psalms. Have you ever read through the psalms? Read them sometimes. I mean, some of them are like happy and joy. is like, oh, God is so great. He's so wonderful. And some of them are like, my life just stinks. Things are terrible. And they'll tell you, they'll go on telling you for verses about all the troubles and trials, but they usually will throw in there every now and then, but even though my life is full of darkness right now, I'm trusting in you. We can do that too. That's part of being salty. That's being part of shining our light. Let your light shine and be salty.